Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Beginner's Mind series. This particular episode is focused on helping you improve your communication skills, your communication skills in a cross-cultural setting, and um, your spoken English. We've had a lot of um, queries regarding this subject, and one of the videos which we produced um, got a great um, response, um, which was, you know, I, I mean, it wasn't done by us intentionally. We did not decide that we wanted to do a video on that topic. We experiment as we usually do with the Coach on Campus series. And a lot of you subscribers must already be familiar with the fact that this particular one on developing your communication skills has almost exceeded 10 million views. So not in our wildest imagination, we could have ever thought that was that was possible. Um, and since my mission always, our mission always has been to serve the community, um, whether it's young students in universities across here in India or virtually to people in India, Pakistan, Sri Lanka, Nepal, other parts of the world. Um, the, it has been our vision. It's been our intention to help you with the resources that you need to succeed in your personal and professional lives. And a lot of it has had to do with the confidence to articulate your ideas well, to be able to interact with people from different parts of the world um, and to learn from them and to share your message with them. And with that in mind, we have another series to have uh, another episode to help you improve your communication skills and to help you learn and exchange ideas with the best and the brightest in the world. I have a couple of requests before I introduce um, our special guest today from whom you're going to learn a lot and therefore the extra emphasis and a couple of pointers to help you learn better. Treat this as a masterclass in improving your communication skills. If you will, please, I have three important things to share with you. Number one, please understand learning depends upon your state of mind. So take a few moments if you would like to take a deep breath in. And just make sure you're centered and you're balanced. And you also have all the tools available to you to take notes if you like, you know, pen and paper. And you can pause the video whenever you like and begin it um, once again from wherever you left. As I said again, as I said before, I say again, treat this as a masterclass in uh, improving your communication skills. So ensure that you're in the right state of mind. Ensure you're in a peaceful, quiet location. Ensure you have a pen and paper handy. Number two, please understand, learning improves when you're engaged, when you're involved in the discussion. So here's what I will ask you to do. Your top takeaways from different questions that I will ask our special guest today, can you please share them in the comments section below, right? So my top takeaways from overcoming the fear of speaking a foreign language are one, two, and three. If you could share those, that'll be great. It, it helps us to start a conversation in the comments section, as well as to help reinforce the key learning points for all of you viewers out there. Number three, please learn this material with the intention of teaching it to someone else. This is one of the most powerful exercises I've done in many of my workshops. I say to people, Towards the end of this, if there's a table of 10, I usually give them a little challenge and I'm throwing that challenge across to you as well. If you accept it, you can type in challenge accepted. And this is my challenge to you. Towards the end of my workshops, I ask one among the 10 on a table of 10 to be a volunteer and to be the coach or the trainer for that particular table. That person will come at the six o'clock position of that table and will be given three to five minutes to you know, be be the coach or be the trainer for that particular group of people and to reinforce uh, and summarize the key learning points. I have found that people who volunteer for this activity are way more engaged than the others and they do a great job at capturing the summary. And since peer-to-peer -peer learning is happening, and I already see in a lot of the, the conversations in the comments section, a lot of you are helping each other out. There's like a little community building on our YouTube channel, which I really like. So those were the three little instructions I hope you will follow in order to improve your learning outcomes uh, for this uh, episode here today. Let me now introduce our special guest today, Mr. Keith O'Hare, who has worked in education internationally for over 20 years. He started as a teacher in France, in Italy, and, and moved on to Spain. Then in 2002, he became a director of studies for a school in China. So a lot of international experience there, if you can see France, Italy, Spain, and China. From 2004 to 2017, Keith worked uh, with the British Council in Asia as a teacher trainer in China, as a project manager in China, as a deputy director of English in Taiwan, and a director of English education programs in Malaysia. He's currently based out of sunny Spain and now runs the very popular website called Keith Speaking Academy. We'll share the link in the description and a YouTube channel called English Speaking Success. 
I love his videos. They're simple, actionable, and very engaging. He also offers online courses to students who want to improve their spoken English. His main focus, his main focus is helping students worldwide, all of you who are tuning in right now, to prepare for the IELTS exam so they can get the score that they need and live out their dreams, whether it's immigration, career success, study abroad, or promotion. Keith, you're welcome to the show. Wow. Thank you very much, Simajit. Um, absolute pleasure to be here. Oh, it's a, an honor to be here with you. Thank you very, very much for inviting me. I'm very Indeed. excited the to be here to share some ideas. It's a pleasure, Keith. And I'd like to say a big thank you. You've been very generous. We approached you at a very short notice. You said yes. And we're so excited to have you here with your vast experience uh, and um, some very popular videos um, on, on the subject of improving communication skills in English language. Uh, thank you. It's an absolute pleasure. Um, let, let's jump right into, it, the, into the subject matter, shall sure. we? Yeah. Sure. I, in my experience, Keith, let's let if I talk about the Indian subcontinent, uh, we've had a lot of engineers. Uh, we produce a lot of doctors, R and D professionals, IT professionals. We export a lot of talent across the world. <laughs> Some of the CEOs of the top companies in in the Silicon Valley happen to be of Indian origin. Um, so there is no shortage of technical skills, technical expertise here in the Indian subcontinent. Uh, where a lot of our young viewers who are highly interested in the subject they come from. We are a culture also very high on agreeability and getting along. And I think that sort of um, plays a, a little factor there. What happens, the end outcome is we have a, a, a generation of people, a lot of engineers, a lot of technically proficient people who are very good on the technical stuff, but somehow lack the confidence or the ability or the skill or the will and we'll talk all the us or talk about all the aspects of this to present their ideas well in in a way that they feel that they're making an impact i'd like to you know start with your views on this subject how can people who have great ideas so there's not a shortage of ideas um, but there is some gap in between there how can they cover this gap and unleash their full potential wow that's a really really interesting question um and I totally agree. There's a lot of people, as you say, from, from the Indian and, and, and from, from Asia who are working in the West or in America and, and England, Australia, mm -hmm. and struggle with communication skills. Um, and I think it, it, it's a real, real challenge. I think on the one hand, it's, it's partly to do with confidence in their own English. Um, but it may also be to do with their communication ability and how mm -hmm. well they communicate. The, the two are connected, but they're a bit different. Right. right. I think with, you know, with English skills, um, some people struggle in, in their, their, their self-belief, in really being confident that they can speak English well and they can speak well enough to communicate. And I guess, I think sometimes this comes from education and from schooling and the way we're taught at school. Mm -hmm. um, in many, many countries, learning a language is seen from a, as a very academic subject and this is right. the way you do it. And many people get this mindset that I, you know, I wasn't very good at languages at school. I can't study. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know how to speak English. Mm -hmm. I had the same issue with French, right, at school. I mean, mm -hmm. interesting thing with me when I was learning French at school, when I did the, the O levels, kind of at the mm -hmm. middle stage, I got, a, I got a C, which was a very low level. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to go on to study French uh, for A level in university. And my teachers said, Oh, really? I mean, you're not very good at French. Why don't you do maths? Because you're much better at maths. <laughs> and and I, I lost confidence because of because of that. And and, mm. and I guess realizing also that the way that languages are taught, um, not everybody learns languages in that way. Right. I went on to learn French at university and through different experiences, I discovered you can learn languages in different ways. And just because you weren't good at school doesn't mean you can't be successful learning language beyond school. Right. Um, so I, I think it's, yeah, it's, as you often said, it's, it's the mindset, having the right mindset and belief in your ability to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, if you think, you know, that you can't study and learn a language, it's probably going to be true, right? Whereas right. if you start thinking, well, I can and I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm able to do this then you can start making progress. That makes a lot of sense because what you just mentioned about, um, you know, the education or the labels or how well you've done in school 
and use you convert them into self-fulfilling beliefs, self-fulfilling prophecies. It's you who makes that statement saying, oh, I probably didn't learn English uh, early enough in order to be proficient now, and therefore I can never do it. Uh, that's very well said. Uh, and, I, you know, throughout all the videos and all the other motivational stuff that we produced, um, and it's not just about learning a new language, any self-limiting um, belief can be and should be challenged. I think that's the greatest project you'll ever undertake in self-transformation, communication skills, or learning a new, a new language. So great point there, Keith. And what I'll urge our viewers to do is maybe sit down with pen and paper and try to identify what are the limiting beliefs? What is your enemy? Who are you fighting against? As you just mentioned, your own example, perhaps a, a off-the-cuff remark by a teacher who said, you're probably not good at that, so you should try this. Are you holding on to that? Um, or is it a bad test score or is it something else? Once you know it, you can challenge that and that should be. And that brings me to a very important question, Keith. I've always believed mindset is the first first step. You know, I spent yeah. a lot of time visualizing my keynote speeches before I go on stage. I can see myself in my mind's eye interacting with the audience, having a good time. It's flowing effortlessly. You know, what I wanted to convey is, is being received well by the audience. And, and that helps. That helps. Yeah. In, not in the... Um, academic way, you know, it's not I suddenly, but sometimes I do get insights also, but it prepares me and sort of calms me down, you know, so it's a very, very good exercise. Uh, and I feel what that exercise helps me do is overcome the mindset challenges. And you've spent a lot of time teaching English to non-native speakers um, across the world, you know, 20, more than 20 years, France, Italy, Spain, and China. Have you identified like um, a list of limiting beliefs uh, or maybe mindset challenges that students must overcome first before they go about learning the language or communication skills? Yes. Oh, yes, for sure. Mm -hmm. And I, I think the number one is, is probably epitomized by a student I had in France who said okay. to me, Keith, I need to learn English. Mm -hmm. I'm ready to work as hard as I have to. Even if I hate all the grammar, I'm going to learn English. Mm -hmm. Nobody likes and the I grammar. Back, <laughs> <laughs> and I yeah. thought, hang on. Even though you hate all the grammar, it's like the, the mindset was that English is hard, it's uh -huh. difficult, it's boring, it's a right. headache, but uh -huh. I'll push through, right? Mm. No pain, no gain. Mm -hmm. And I think that is, is, is not nonsense, but it's, mm -hmm. it's not true. It's the wrong mindset. It's the wrong strategy. And mm -hmm. It's the wrong strategy. And I'm a big, big believer, and I, and I push this with my teaching and um, with my videos is, that learning English can be fun. And not only can it be fun, but it should be fun. And the more that you enjoy your learning, the better uh -huh. you will learn. Mm. And there's a lot of research on that. I mean, there's the the effective, feel, the effective filter by Stephen Krashen, and he talks about the more stressful you are, the, the more your learning goes down because the mm. effect goes down. Indeed. Um, but if you are relaxed, you enjoy learning more. And I, I think that's the key, the key mindset is, is to think, actually, mm -hmm. I can enjoy this. Um, mm -hmm. And therefore, I'm able to, to learn better. Right. And I do notice a lot of students say that to me, that they, they, they've suddenly had a, a, a learning changing, maybe not a life changing, but a learning changing moment mm -hmm. where they go, wow, I actually enjoy learning English with you. Mm -hmm. And that's it. That's great. That's the first great thing. Right. So I, I think that that's the one of the first mindsets, right, is uh -huh. to, to enjoy it. Yeah, yeah to absolutely. It. Is to Rather than, as mm -hmm. you rightly said, to consider it a really uphill task. It's like maybe uh, going to the gym early on a very cold morning. And, you, you know, the best yeah. part about doing that is getting up at 7 a.m. and deciding not to go to the gym. That's that's always the best part of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's because… Yeah. Um, that's mm -hmm. right. And also, I mean, people say, like, when you go to the gym, the best part is, is after you finish the gym, after you finish the hard work, course, and you feel better. Yep. Um, yeah. And again, I think it's maybe an unfair analogy for, for, for learning languages. I, I think it's not that once you've learned English, you'll be good. It's the process. It's right. the journey of linking, learning, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. is exciting. Mm -hmm. um, and once you get into that, that this is not just a means to an end, this is what I'm doing. It's the process, which is great. Absolutely then it changes your way of thinking as well. 
Absolutely. There's a variety of resources available to make it fun. You know, you could use Netflix or you could read or you could yeah. write or you could interact with people from across the world thanks to all these digital tools that we have. You know, you could talk to native English speakers and learn from them or have your own little group, you know, and to exchange information that you have. So there's a lot of resources now available for people to make it fun and interesting as opposed to maybe 20 years ago when it was more theoretical, academic in nature. That's one of the things that came to my mind. And, I, you know, the our our podcast, Keith, is titled The Beginner's Mind. And this comes from the Japanese philosophy called Shoshin in, in Zen, they talk about. Um, and one of the proverbs goes something like this. In the expert's mind, there are only a few possibilities. In the beginner's mind, there are many um, mm-hmm. And I love that. I've been driven by that personally. I, and I think the same, if you perhaps you'll agree with me, is applicable to learning English as well, is that yeah. there are many ways that might work for you and go with those multiple possibilities and explore which one works the best. Um, I'm not sure, yeah. perhaps you might have seen this movie. It was around this young girl preparing for the Spelling Bee Championship. She has a coach who helps her make that breakthrough. I can't remember the name. Uh, maybe uh, if our viewers are familiar, let us know, help me, yeah. uh, remind me in the in the comment section. But what he helps um, Keith, this, this young little girl to do is, uh, she was an avid dancer as well. So mm-hmm. the coach identifies this learning style and he gets her to memorize these words while she's dancing or moving yeah. instead of sitting. Mm-hmm. And she yeah. would, he would even encourage her to do the same while she's on stage. And, you know, is the, is the same end destination, but a different process, as you rightly said, and the one yes. that she enjoyed. So thank you so much for that. That's, that's correct. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally agree. A very good teacher will identify the different learning styles of the student and be mm-hmm. able to adapt to that student, which is the great thing of having a, a, a teacher directly help you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love the idea of the Shoshan as well, the idea that you, you should be open to every moment being a new moment. Right. And I think that helps break break the mindset that I can't learn English, that if you think, well, every moment is an opportunity to learn, what's gone in the past doesn't mean that's going to go in the future. Right. Every moment is is, is a new moment to try. Mm-hmm. So being open, I think, yeah, is, is helpful. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> and um, I, I love what you talked about um when, when we are stressed, we don't learn as much. I noticed mm-hmm. that, uh, and this is um, for everybody who's tuning into this conversation right now. When you're learning, try to be as relaxed as possible. Try to be in the moment. Um, they have a name for it. It's called Deep Work. Also, I'm currently reading that mm-hmm. book. But very, very powerful philosophy. You know, switch off your social media, uh, remove the distractions, and then immerse yourself into it. Um, and um, that's worked well when, when you're not stressed. I practice this while interviewing people, Keith. And I try to, in most right. many of my recent ones, I usually try to just maybe close my eyes and take all that information in. As opposed to earlier, the next question would be running in my head. Um, <laughs> as an outcome, what would happen is I was there, but I was not fully there. So now I just pause and uh, absorb it. And so not being stressed about what's coming next, next helps you fully absorb what's happening in the moment. So it improves your overall efficiency. I, I totally agree. It's it's a great skill that you have. I, I'm still developing that skill. Mm. Um, I think it's such a valuable one. And it's valuable for interviews when, for example, the IELTS test or for a job interview mm-hmm. to be able to be in the moment rather right. than planning your prepared speech yep. um, is, is a very, very, it's a, it's a challenging skill, but it's such a valuable one. It's mm-hmm. worth practicing. Yeah, because then you're, then you're dynamic. You actually listen to what is being said and you respond with, at the moment, not what you already planned before. And your brain is not working over time. So... Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Keith, I'd love to uh, talk about the the fears. Why is there a huge fear around? Uh, I understand. Well, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. learning a new skill, we have this uncertainty of what the outcome is going to be all about. But um, non-native speakers of the English language, uh, as well as people who feel they need to improve their communication skills, there's a lot of fears around the subject. <clears throat> Read one yeah. interesting survey which said. Um, Fear of public speaking um, <laughs> is is um, above on many surveys, ahead of the fear of death itself. 
So, <laughs> yes, <laughs> which technically translates that some people would rather be dead than be on yeah. a stage in front of a group of people, you know, uh, being yeah. vulnerable and sharing their thoughts. Um, why is this? There's a huge fear around the subject, and how have you sort of calmed this fear down in your students over the years? Yeah. Well, imagine if if the fear the fear of public speaking. Imagine the fear of public speaking in a foreign language. Mm -hmm. That's probably like dying twice, maybe for some people. <laughs> um, I I think that fear, from my experience as a student and mm -hmm. from teaching other students, one of the biggest fears is around looking stupid by making mistakes. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to speak. I'm going to make mistakes. People will think. I'm stupid, that right. I will feel stupid and, and, and be embarrassed. And being embarrassed publicly um, is, is, is very damaging for people. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. making mistakes is one of the, the biggest fears. Um, right. And students struggle and, and try to speak perfectly. And because they're doing that, their fluency drops uh -huh. and their communication disappears, right? Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. they're spending so much time thinking, preposition plus the adjective and <laughs> and then they're not getting their idea out right i i think so the, the the really important thing to understand about mistakes in language learning is that they are big gifts presents to us mm -hmm. they help us they're right. an essential part of the learning process if mm -hmm. you're not making mistakes you're not learning mm -hmm. simple as that so you you need to learn to accept you're going to make mistakes and that when mistakes come it's absolutely fine. You can learn from them. If you get feedback in some way to tell you what the mistake is, you can learn from it and improve. Right. But we're, we're all going to make mistakes, right? It's like in business, you're going to fail. You are going to mm -hmm. fail at times um, and, and just accept that that will happen and that it's a positive thing. Mm -hmm. Mistakes are not failures. They're, they're growing opportunities. So I think if you can make friends with mistakes, mm. then it helps overcome that fear that I'm going to make mistakes. Right. Um, and the fear of looking stupid is, is a psychological thing. You know, you're, you're, you're preempting, you're second guessing that the audience out there, whoever it is, mm -hmm. even if it's a, a manager who's from America, is going to think I'm stupid um, because I don't speak as good as, as well as a native speaker. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Don't second guess people. I guarantee 90% mm. of those people will not be thinking that. They'll right. be thinking the opposite, actually. Mm -hmm. It's like, wow, you, you're trying really hard. I want mm -hmm. you to be successful with your English. Yeah. Um, so don't second guess what people will be thinking of and about you. Mm -hmm. um, because it's normally wrong, I think, in my experience. Indeed. Yeah, usually is. Yeah. Usually is. Do you know? Um, I deeply admired this um, gentleman. Um, he he passed away a couple of years uh, back. Doctor Wayne Dyer from the U.S. Spiritual author, okay. and I used to yeah. listen to a lot of his talks before going to sleep. Um, in 2007, 2008, I had this habit. Uh, those iPods that came back in the day with the actual hard disk, the really heavy ones. So I had one of those. <laughs> I had all his talks downloaded. And he would say, he mm. said something very interesting in one of his talks. He said, if there's a thousand people in the auditorium and um, once I finish my talk, they're walking away with a thousand different opinions. That's a thousand different opinions about what I said. And none of them uh, could, you know, it's possible that no one is true. None of them is true, right? So for me right. to carry that burden of those 1,000 opinions uh, wow. is a very heavy burden to carry. So I think we need to liberate ourselves from that. And what you rightly said is the more we try to be perfect, um, our brain, we sort of use all this processing ability of the brain to for perfection and therefore speed suffers, ideas suffer, content suffers, knowledge suffers. I've seen a lot of professors from different parts of the world, not just India, from you know other parts of Europe and other places where English is not the first language. And uh, they perhaps even till date they struggle with great English, you know, grammatically correct English. However, mm -hmm. because the focus is not on getting it a hundred percent right. The focus is not showing off his linguistic ability. Um, the ideas shine through, and in, in some of those some domains, maybe that's more important than great grammar, for example. Oh. Right? So without it, yeah. And and I think it's really important for youngsters, especially, to get this fear of being judged away off their shoulders, and you'll feel you're so much lighter. Um, and as you rightly said, 
what you're thinking that the other person is thinking about you. Perhaps it's your own imagination, so you need to remove that and just focus on expressing what you want to say. And with time and practice, and that's what happened with my learning curve, with time and practice, perhaps you say it in a fewer words with brevity, perhaps you say it more effectively, and it improves. The only way to overcome this fear, in my case and from my personal experience, has been to put myself more and more into situations where I'm stretched way outside my comfort zone, <laughs> way outside my comfort zone. <laughs> and, th- and that strengthens that muscle. Your thoughts on that, Keith? Yeah, you've been in a lot of mul- yeah, multicultural and I, mm-hmm. I'm, I, I partly agree in that what I, I do is I, I nudge students to go a little bit beyond their comfort zone. Um, mm-hmm. I think with language, not, not to go too far outside because they may, they may drown. Or maybe mm-hmm. I'm too overprotective, but to, mm-hmm. to, to push them to go a little bit outside their comfort zone to to try and do little challenges, whatever they are. You know, if you're right. um, going abroad, or even if you're not abroad, to go and ask a question, to, to be at a conference and ask a question, put your hand mm-hmm. up and ask the mm-hmm. question. Mm-hmm. Um, to go and speak to somebody at a party and, and just introduce yourself. Little right. things that you wouldn't normally do, and just try and do them. And then, and then see what happens and see mm-hmm. how you feel afterwards. And most times people feel great after they've done mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. even though it didn't go as they thought it went, <laughs> as, as they thought it, or they wanted it to. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it doesn't matter too much. They feel very, very good after it. And, and that reminds me, I think, one of the things that I learned as a presenter <clears throat> when I had to do a lot of presentations, when I began mm-hmm. presenting mm-hmm. Um, education projects to, to government officials and and. Right. And I used to get nervous about making mistakes in the presentation. And then my mentor or my boss said to me, he said, you know, the people watching you, they had no idea what your script was. They didn't know what you wanted to say. Mm -hmm. They just received what you said. And that mistake, actually, they didn't know. They weren't aware. Mm -hmm. And being able to kind of release your script and, and just deliver well, uh-huh. that was a big change, a big changing moment for me. I thought, oh my God, right. that's true. They don't know what I wanted yep. to say. So it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. Yeah. Yep. So it's being in the moment. This is, I, li- I love that. I can completely relate with that because um, there was a time when I would prepare for my keynotes and I knew, you know, my top focus area, number one, number two, number three, and which was very helpful, by the way, to keep the entire 45, 60 minute presentation on track and not to go off track with stories or anecdotes or audience interaction tends to happen with a large audience. You can easily go off track. Uh, However, at the same time, I had to learn to release that, uh, the sequence. And, you know, I got to say, and in point one, I have to say these three things, you know, you don't have to say it all. And the, the, there's so many ideas that come once you're off stage, or I wish I could have. And, th- and that means a lot remains to be said for the next time. So you're not completely bored with the, <laughs> with the, exactly. with the next presentation. Yeah, so it's, it's all a learning process. Um, I've picked some of the top uh, um, mindset, I wouldn't say mindset blocks, or maybe um, um, learning hurdles, that a lot of youngsters mm-hmm. usually leave in the comment section on our channel. And I'd love to mm-hmm. hear your views on them. Number one on, on that list is, can I still learn a new language at 21, 22? Um, I haven't learned English as a language in school, but now at my workplace, it's really important. That particular guy or that person who came at, uh, he, he or she did not have as much experience as I did, but speaks English fluently and therefore is moving ahead. Can I still learn is what, uh, you know, what are your thoughts on that, Keith? Oh my God, 22, that is so young. Come on, <laughs> seriously. All right. Listen, my, okay, personal examples. My father began learning Spanish at 60, age mm. 60. Okay. Um, and he did that because um, at the time I was living in Spain and he was coming visiting and he wanted to learn how to communicate. He, he got up to a, an A2, B1 level at the time. I began learning Chinese at 30. Oh, wow. Um, and I, you know, I can speak at an intermediate level. I did the HSK Chinese exam, official exams. Mm-hmm. Of course you can. Of course you can is the absolute answer. Um, it, it's true to some extent that our ability to learn language diminishes as we get older because our mm-hmm. memory is, is weaker and our, our network of, of thinking is, is more hardwired. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But I think especially if you already speak one or two languages, adding extra languages gets easier, right. whatever the mm -hmm. age. Mm -hmm. um, and I think one of the great benefits of <laughs> being in India is that many, many people are at least bilingual, right? They yep. speak dialects or other languages. Um, mm -hmm. Unlike the British, who are notoriously monolingual and rubbish at languages, um, because we don't have that experience so much, mm -hmm. generalizing a bit. Um, so I, I think, yeah, the answer is absolutely yes, you can. And there's, there's actually there's a lot of research about this, that there's a fallacy. Um, mm -hmm. And we've tried to explain this to governments, but they refuse to listen. There's a fallacy that it's easier to learn a foreign language if you begin at primary school level at age oh, six, okay. um, rather than beginning at age 12 at secondary school. In all the research, it's shown when students who begin learning a language at age 12 in secondary school, mm -hmm. after two years, they have already caught up to the same level as those who began at age six. Oh, wow. And the, and the reason is because those in primary school, because they're not, they're not immersed 100% in the language, mm -hmm. they only get three or four hours a week. Mm. It makes no difference. It doesn't right. work. Right. Um, it, it only works if you're 100% immersed in the, in the language from a young age. Uh -huh. Otherwise, start later. Start at age 12. Mm -hmm. um, and, and you can still become extremely proficient by the age of 20. Start at 20, you can become advanced even. Uh, and absolutely. That's no great news. That gr that's great news for everybody who's thinking, oh, you know, perhaps I've missed that uh, particular golden, you know, time to start. And um, I, I love what you said. Would you then be, uh, would it be correct to assume that immersion is one of the keys in learning well, learning quickly? By and large, yes. I mean, it does depend mm -hmm. on the learning style and, and, and each individual person. Um, I am a fan of immersion learning. I think it's very, very beneficial um, because it takes away translation. It encourages you to think in the language, and I think that's incredibly valuable. Um, but it doesn't suit everybody, and you don't have to be immersed to mm -hmm. learn the language. Um, but yes, I think there is research that it, it is beneficial. This whole, um, I've seen a lot of videos around this and um, emphasis on being able to think in that language before you speak well. Um, yeah. W what's the research on that? What are your views on that? How important is it? And um, how, how, what are your top tips of how people can practice it? Thinking in yeah, the language. I, I, yeah. mm -hmm. Thinking in the language. Um, yeah. I, think it is, I think it is very, very important um, to do that from an early stage, to try and think in the language because translation slows you down, right. um, especially as a beginner and an intermediate level. Mm -hmm. Once you're at an advanced level, then translation can help. And, you know, translation is a skill. It's a very highly trained skill. People study mm -hmm. translation, right? Mm -hmm. um, but if you're beginning in a language or at an intermediate level, um, getting away from translation is really important. And so right. learning to think in the language, I think, is very, very important. Um, because languages are different. And if you translate word for word, you're going to misunderstand idioms, phrasal mm -hmm. verbs, collocations. Right. The rules of the language are different. Right. I think tips to, to do that, yes, there are. It's one of the most popular videos on YouTube, right? How to think in English. I've mm -hmm. seen lots of YouTubers do that. Right. Um, and some very good and tips and advice there. Uh, it's it's harder than you think. I, I don't think it's something you can do just by watching a video. Mm -hmm. I think it does take a lot and lot of practice. Um, but I mean, there are simple steps you can take. For example, mm -hmm. using a monolingual dictionary is okay. one. Right. That's something I did when I was learning Spanish and it helped me enormously. Mm -hmm. um, not as a beginner, but a bit beyond beginner. Okay. Um, the other thing, yes, is, is absolutely to immerse yourself in in films in conversations with with people of that language if possible um mm -hmm. so if you can i mean nowadays as you said you can get on the internet you can go to a website like speakwiz where you can join groups of people for free speaking english mm -hmm. um and you're not with people of your own nationality so you're not translating and using your own language you're, right. you're just using english mm -hmm. then then that helps as well practicing with that um, 
that yeah there are other techniques you can do thinking in english i've got a whole video on it if you want to go and watch sure it. no we'll we'll, we'll <laughs> share the link for that link for people yeah yes yeah. we're sure we'll do that um the well, i just want to dwell on this a little bit what you just said about uh learning to think in english and what worked really well for me when i rewinded back to my own school days was a lot of self talk in in that language so if right. you yeah don't do it in public though guys so yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> self-talk is best done when you're alone and, and in private. So yes. if you would have a conversation with yourself, you learned something, you saw something, you heard something, you read something. Um reading uh, in particular was very useful because I'm then doing the scenario building inside my head from whatever I've learned, I try to construct an image. I'm I'm more a visual person. So that would really help uh if I've read a text and I'm creating that scene in my head uh and then if in my uh alone time in my me time if i could during that time if i could do my if i could talk about what i just learned to myself out aloud that would help improve things and perhaps um you know guys give it a try see how if if that works for you let us know self talk uh in the, the language that you're trying to learn in english for instance uh, that is the subject of our discussion here today really helpful um one of the next uh, objections or you know points of confusion for youngsters who are starting on this journey of learning english and improving their communication skills is where do i start there's a lot of information on the internet there's so many videos a <laughs> lot of courses um so there's actually a challenge of having too much um so keith w- would you help us narrow down to what might be the first two or three <laughs> steps um for somebody who's trying to start this journey yeah starting the journey i guess well the the first thing you should do is decide your goal what do you want to achieve right okay. um do you do you want to learn english just to go on holiday in the country and get by mm-hmm. do you want to study in that language and therefore have a higher level mm-hmm. um do you want to do a phd in that language i mean what what's your goal with learning right. english and be clear and then that can help you decide where to go i think if you're a beginner starting out in a language where do you start I would strongly recommend getting a teacher <clears throat> or a tutor mm-hmm. um somebody who can guide you basically um right. that I I think it's unfortunate that nowadays with social media we we're, we're bombarded with a lot of myths and mm-hmm. confusion about language learning mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and distractions and and people you know there's a lot of talks about tips and tricks and secrets right. about language shortcuts. learning and, and people yeah. are clicking and shortcuts mm-hmm. we're, we're in the the yep. hack culture as they yep. call it everyone's looking for a fix a quick yeah. fix right the truth the truth is the reality is i i think is that if you want to go from being a beginner to an intermediate uh-huh there are very simple steps to follow to follow the kind of language you need to learn um the skills you need to develop any reputable course um mm-hmm. and and there are plenty out there but looking for a name that's reputable whether it's i don't know burlitz british council rosetta stone mm-hmm. any any kind of reputable course it is just a matter of following the course because okay. you can't get round the fact you need to learn a certain amount of language certain Indeed. number of words a certain right. number of expressions uh-huh. and to be able to have the skills to the four skills of reading listening writing and speaking right. and to develop all of those so i i think it's trying to avoid this world of secrets and tips and tricks and and mm-hmm. say right i need to actually just follow this course mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um but do it if if you can be engaged with other people i mean i'm i'm a big fan of going to classes mm-hmm. because when when i I learned Spanish and Chinese. I went to class with several other people in the class. That motivation, that interaction with other students who are going right. on the same journey yep. is so helpful, right? Indeed. They can support you, you can share your frustration, you can share your whatever you're feeling at the time, um and you can practice with them. Right. So I think that's really that motivation is so important. Mm-hmm. Um so maybe having the the the, the attitude of being in the for the long haul i'm going i'm going right. to study for a long time sure um having a tutor and a guide if mm-hmm. possible mm-hmm. and a clear goal and motivation i think are yeah. all important 
Yeah, well said. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And I completely agree with that. This culture of hacks and try this. And we've had on YouTube, um, especially in yeah. the Indian continent, this has become a very lucrative thing. If you publish a video which says, you know, do this and you'll be more fluent in seven days. And that's right there. Millions of views right there. Um, and a lot of people fall for it just as they fall yeah. for quick weight loss uh, techniques or other things like that. But um, it doesn't happen overnight. Um, and there are strategies that could help speed things up for you but as keith rightly said prepare to be in it for the long haul guys which means um, you probably might not see the results immediately there's a great book which is not directly connected to learning english but is um, connected to achieving long-term goals it's uh, atomic habits by james clear oh, um, yeah, yeah i love james clear and do mm. and it's nice nice very actionable practical things yeah. there um, and and i love what he I think he mentioned something about lead measures and lagging measures. So the lead measure is what you're doing today, what the inputs are. The lagging measures are the outcomes. If you're looking only at the outcomes and not taking the not following the lead measures, you will end up with zero outcome sometime from now, which means although as much as uh, outcomes are exciting, as much as improvement, the end results are exciting, but if you just stick to those and you focus exclusively on those, you would have you sort of lost focus on what you still can need to continue doing today in order to produce those results effectively so uh yeah. it could be do the things that which which give you the return in the long run um um yeah yes. Does that make, not, you know, not your just thoughts on not that? just the short run as well yeah mm-hmm. and and i think that ties in with also the idea of enjoying your learning if if you're enjoying your learning it's you're not thinking about getting it out of the way and getting to the end as quickly as possible, mm-hmm. you're actually wanting to engage in long-term learning because it's very enjoyable to do. Right. And the outcomes after that, for, for my students, the outcomes are not just passing the test, yep. they're being able to communicate effectively abroad, living a more richer life, understanding other cultures, I mean, uh-huh. you know, eventually world peace. I mean, it goes yeah. on and on. <laughs> Indeed, it begins with inner peace, always. The journey begins within. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, help me out, Keith, with with a little comparison. In in uh, in countries where English is not the first language, so India, uh, for example, right now, yeah. we the learning um, techniques, the focus is originally on the rules, on the grammar, the vocabulary, the yeah. spelling, etc., is the method different? I'm, I'm assuming because when I wasn't taught the words, the spelling, the grammar or the rules of my mother tongue, which happens to be Punjabi and the national language Hindi, which I'm fluent in as well. Both of these languages, I did not learn the, the spelling and the other things or the rules of grammar, etc. I picked up the language first. I was fluent in the language already because it's I'm immersed in it. My parents, I hear it on the TV everywhere. It's, it's that. That's my only medium of communication connection to the outside world. And then, then I go to classes and I refine my, you know, my language and learn better words and know the rules of grammar, etc. I feel, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong, I feel this overemphasis on learn the grammar, the rules, the vocabulary, the spelling, etc., mm-hmm. etc. Et first, and then we'll think about the practical day-to-day use. Um, I think that's doing more more harm than good. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah. I totally agree. Totally agree. Mm-hmm. It's totally upside down. It's mm-hmm. topsy-turvy. Um, and this used to be the way in the UK, um, you know, for, for learning foreign languages, the way I was taught grammar translation method, um, audio linguistic method, w- which is okay. But it was very much, you know, we learned French. We had to learn about the 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 present perfect indicative mm-hmm. the predicate the determiner all of these labels mm-hmm. that you had no idea mm-hmm. and then the rules um and it's totally upside down it really is i mean i recently tried to explain this in a, in, a, in a video about grammar learning grammar that for me the process is the opposite for me the process is is about listening to the language mm-hmm. is about listening to the sound and the music and and loving that sound right and then repeating it repeating it so you you get a chance to practice repeating Uh and then later you can go and look at the grammar Mm -hmm. and you can go and see oh this grammar helps me understand a bit what i've been saying right so you start with the communication you start Mm -hmm. with the sounds and then later you look at the, the 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 grammar that can explain things to you Mm-hmm. And for me, 
that that you see that's the way i learned music i i learned to play the guitar um when i was young i learned the violin and the guitar mm -hmm. i taught myself the guitar by listening by thinking wow i want to do that and trying right. to play it myself and just imitating uh -huh. yeah and then about a year later i went for classes with a teacher and she explained notation musical notation the, the scales and i went wow that's amazing wow. i mm -hmm. know that but i didn't know it mm -hmm. um and now i could put the labels to it and that also helped me and it was a cycle of going round mm -hmm. And for me, that's much better because if you start with the grammar, you start with a headache and frustration and it doesn't help. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that is so true. Yeah, you're yeah. overloaded with rules, you know. Uh, it's like um, you theoretically learning everything um, that is telling you this is where you could go wrong. So you're already overloaded with information that, you know, different signals that are lighting up in your head. Oh, am I using this tense correctly here or not, etc.? Should I be saying this rather than focusing on conveying that message itself first? Uh, and uh, yeah. here's the interesting thing. My mom taught English literature uh, for 34 years um, at the local college. And um, that was partly one of the reasons, well, I picked up the language uh, a little bit ahead of time as compared to my um, friends in school. But the interesting part was she had these all books of grammar and rules and everything at home. I, it never made sense to me. Grammar never made sense to me because it was very confusing. So I would read a lot. I was naturally a very curious uh, person by, you know, so I would pick up all these different kinds of books. And then due to all that reading, I got a sense of what is what sounds right and what doesn't sound right. It served me well yeah. with a margin of error of about one or two percent, which is human. <laughs> you know, I'm not <laughs> I'm not running on artificial intelligence here, right? So, sure, it yeah. serves you very very well. Yeah, you don't you don't need all the labels of grammar and the rules um, mm -hmm. if you've already internalized them, which, which clearly you have. So you don't need to have to know how to describe it. Grammar is just a way to describe the language. Right. It's not the language. It's mm. a way of describing. Thank you. That's well said. That's um, a very powerful statement. It's not the language. Grammar is not the mm. language. Right. No. It's it's a way of describing the language. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Simple as that. And I just want to make a quick shout out to all of the teachers out there, especially the sure. teachers in India. Mm -hmm. It's not their fault, right? Mm -hmm. They are not to blame for this mm -hmm. teaching methodology. Mm -hmm. If you're given a classroom of 50 kids or more, and you're given an assessment system of a test that they have mm. to pass that's based on grammar, mm -hmm. of course the teachers are going to start with the grammar and make sure you know the grammar. Right. It's not their fault. It's the system that, of education and assessment and evaluation that, that needs changing. Absolutely. Assessment needs changing, definitely, because it's the yeah. same, the method, uh, pretty much still the same. They're making innovations here and there now. I think it's radically changing. Uh, with the new education policy, the NEP 2020, uh, which um, is talking about cross-disciplinary learning and so on and so forth. A lot of innovation coming there um, and still has to be implemented in its entire spirit and letter. So I think once that happens, um, we will move towards more experimentation and learning mediums and uh, rather than just um, so if it's standardized and if it's all fill in the blanks, you know, and um, and then students naturally, they, they resort to rote learning, which is not the best way forward for any anything leave apart learning a new language rote learning is dangerous you know because you're mugging up something that's worked for somebody several years ago with the assumption it will work for you as well in various situations it doesn't yeah. <laughs> language exactly. does not the world's changed yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Indeed, indeed. You know, we uh, speakers, coaches and trainers, we've had to adapt to all these uh, new tools here for to thrive in a virtual medium and suddenly everybody knows how to use zoom and you work with the cat filters and some some of us still struggle but <laughs> exactly yeah. and it opens up whole, whole new opportunities as well i mean yeah. education is traditionally something that's very 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 slow to change mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's extremely difficult to change um but i think as the world is changing we are going to see slightly quicker changes with innovation adaptation and hopefully benefits for language learning in schools i completely agree to that and one thing i'd like to say here is um to our young viewers especially is to take charge of your education as well part of it is interested to the 
government and the decision makers and the policy makers who might not be completely in tune with your future goals, but you are. So therefore, take charge of your learning process, design your own curriculum. What, what should you be reading? What should you be watching? Who should you be spending time with? So on and so forth. Think about these questions and take charge of it. You know, once you finish school and college and uh, or get a job, it's not the end of learning. That's one. And even uh, when the day is finished, when you're learning um, for the day is done from with the teachers, uh, you have time to yourself. Use that time well in order to supplement and try things which perhaps school doesn't allow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Totally agree. I mean, the language is not contained in your school book, mm-hmm. right? The language is much more beyond that. It's much wider. You have to be looking at other things. Uh, reading other books, reading poetry. I don't know you're a big fan of poetry, yeah, watching films, mm-hmm. engaging with um, other kinds of speakers. There's so much more. Yeah, and be proactive. I totally agree. A proactive learner is going to learn more deeply. Don't just Indeed. be passive. Indeed. You talked about poetry, and the um, the interesting thing here is this. It did not made, make sense to me when I would memorize them back in school or Robert Frost stopping by woods on a snowy evening. Uh, But now, you know, fast forward uh, 30 years from that, uh, you know, you could just, if you just pause and reflect, it's so deep, it's so profound, you can connect it with with the challenges in your own life. And it's sort of music, it's poetry in its true sense. It's not just a set of words that you were memorizing earlier. Now the words come alive for you. And I think um, as your understanding deepens, as your learning deepens, uh, that stage automatically happens. Keith, one, one of your most popular videos on, on your YouTube channel is um, interacting with native English speakers. Now, I know this could be a huge mm. challenge. This could be this could make many new learners especially nervous about when they're speaking with someone who's a native English speaker. Um, and w- with the world that we're le- living in, that's increasingly global in nature and people interacting and, you know, uh, from all different corners of the world, there's, um, there, there's companies now which don't have a single headquarter. They instead have five headquarters across the world. In this new world, global world where English is the international language of communication by and large, um, what are your top tips with uh, people who, whose first language is not English in interacting with native English speakers? There's two challenges in particular that um, are very common. One is um, I know the language well, I can read, write and speak, but when I'm speaking with a native English speaker, I'm suddenly at a loss for words. And I and second is sometimes I cannot understand what they're saying. So I, maybe we could split it into two questions. Let's begin with this one first. Um, mm-hmm. That self-consciousness or um, the, the um, suddenly people are at a loss of words when interacting with a native English speaker. Right. That's the first aspect. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. that loss of words, that, that confidence to, to, uh-huh. to speak out. I think there are, there are several things going on. One of them is maybe the, the, the cultural thing. I mean, to, to communicate effective with, effectively with native speakers, mm-hmm. they're not all native speakers aren't the same, right? But if you take, for example, American, American culture or British culture, mm-hmm. um, the way we talk and do things is different from Indian culture or Chinese culture or, or others. Um, Right. I think maybe I, I'm trying to think of an a, a example to, to show this, but for example, um, may, I mean, maybe I can give an example from me, me being in China and trying to learn Chinese and right. the opposite. Mm-hmm. When I went to China the first time, I went to a very small town. Um, it wasn't Beijing, and this is 20 years ago. China has right. changed quite a lot. Uh-huh. It's a very small town, and, and I had learned a very basic um, Chinese and I trying to communicate. Um, and when I was, somebody was, was offering me something mm-hmm. and I said, I said, no, thank you. And they continued to offer. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, thank you. And, and I mm-hmm. thought, do they not understand me? And they carried on offering and insisting. <laughs> and I thought something's wrong here. And I, I tried uh-huh. to say it another way. I said, well, no, 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 I actually, I don't. Do, I, he was offering me a cigarette. I said, no, I don't smoke. Mm-hmm. which I'd learned how to say. Mm-hmm. And he continued. And then the cultural thing was, what was going on was that in his culture, um, he, when you offer something, you offer again, and you expect the person to be mm-hmm. polite and to say no. So you mm-hmm. offer again and again. In the British culture, when somebody offers, when they say no, that's mm-hmm. it. 
it's yeah. no. <laughs> it would be rude to offer again. Right. And it, it, it's, you know, implying you that do it one right. time. <laughs> yeah. One implying time, that the it. other person has understood. If you say no, you. being polite, yeah. you've missed out because they're not right. going to offer again. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and, and I think that that connection between language and, and culture, the way we do things mm -hmm. is, is different. And it's important to, to try and understand the culture of the language, how people offer, how people invite, you know, that you've probably had this in England, come round for dinner sometime. Mm -hmm. And you go, Oh, how about tomorrow? And like, no. And the person's shocked, <laughs> going, No, 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 I didn't actually yeah, mean, I didn't actually mean that. Date. It's just a polite <laughs> way. Yeah. Yeah. So, all, all, yeah, we all do that all the time here in India, too. We do. <laughs> Right, you yeah. do the same thing. Mm -hmm, yeah. mm -hmm. But sometimes the, the, the functions can be different. The way you apologize, the way you offer, invite, yeah. the way you accept a gift. The, the language and the culture are very intricately connected. Uh -huh. um, and I think it's important to try and learn. Well, to learn that is difficult because you need to practice that and be exposed to it. Yep. But to be op open to that being different and going back to what we said before to be open to the fact that if the native speaker doesn't quite follow what you're saying or doing um yeah. don't worry about it you will right. find a way to communicate you will find a way to get through it may be a cultural misunderstanding mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and, and be open to that so i i think yeah that that aspect of being at a loss for words um there, there's something else that comes to mind, and I, I think it's, again, it comes from social media, the mm -hmm. idea that the native speaker is perfect mm -hmm. and that everybody should try to be like a native speaker. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I, even though I'm a native thinker, I think students should forget that idea. Yep. Don't try and be like a native speaker. Mm -hmm. um, it's not necessary. It's not helping you. It's kind of overwhelming you because it's yep. such a difficult goal to reach uh -huh. that... If you can say, I just want to be a good speaker or mm -hmm. an advanced speaker, then that's enough. And to kind of take away this th this idea that the native speaker is perfect, it would be like me trying to learn football from Ronaldo, Cristiano. Mm -hmm. And of course, if, if he comes and tries to teach me, I'll be overwhelmed. I won't be able to kick the ball. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can't kick the ball anyway, but <laughs> it would be difficult. But if I think of you know the the teacher or the other speaker just being another speaker not 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 the the perfect kind of godlike figure right then or the judge maybe help right mm -hmm. or the judge nice mm -hmm. yes exactly yeah. because they they don't judge they don't i mean they, people are they want to achieve their goals and you know if you're working in an organization they you, there's a common goal everybody's striving towards and you know, you're supplying yeah. something valuable to that equation. And uh, I think uh, what will help a lot of people is to understand that, especially if you're working in an international global setting, is to understand that you have value to add. And that's why you are in that position where you're in right now. If you wouldn't, you wouldn't be there. And that value Very addition good. is not dependent upon your linguistic proficiency. It depends upon a lot of other things for which you probably have worked hard for your entire life. We've had the exactly. chairman of the Indian Space Research Organization, um, who was very simple, very humble man, a son of a farmer uh, who uh, grew up to study and, you know, math and science and rose to great heights. You know, the person behind the mission on Mars and so many other wow. uh, initiatives that the world studied for their cost effectiveness for other things. And uh, um, so we have a lot of um, role models um, to, you know, to look up to, to understand that, of course, it's very important to be able to convey your ideas well in a way that inspires and informs and engages and entertains at times. But that's not the bottom line. The bottom line, um, there, there are a whole lot of other skills that you have, and you can work on this. And the day, yes. whoever you're speaking to, this is my belief, uh, it helped me a lot in overcoming whatever doubts I might have had, is the person on the other side of the table, the day they can speak your language with the same level of efficiency and fluency and grammatically correct way um, and without hesitation to you, um, that's when you can say, okay, my friend, we're on an equal footing now. <laughs> up, up and <laughs> Other yeah, than yeah, that. Absolutely. Other than I, that, I, I, mm -hmm, I remember, sorry. I mean, stuff that yeah. I've done, the, the trick that I've used, and it, it mm -hmm. really is a trick, is that when I've 
been speaking a foreign language to, to somebody, a counterpart, um, I always try and start the conversation and I try and control very early on the conversation, even uh -huh. though I'm the, the language learner. Right. Because it, ena it enables two things. It enables me to get a bit of confidence mm -hmm. as I'm speaking first, mm -hmm. and it enables the other person to realize very quickly what my level is. Mm. And that person listening will very quickly go, oh, actually, his English, his, his English or his Chinese is quite low. Mm -hmm. I need to moderate the way I speak. Right. Um, and that helps. I think the worst thing you can do is to be passive and to just listen and listen and then get more nervous. And when finally you have to speak, you're incredibly nervous. You're thinking, they don't know I'm a beginner. And, right. and so go in first. Get, get right. control of the conversation really there. early on. Great tip there. Yeah, yeah. I think mm -hmm. that helps me. Indeed, that's a great tip because um, you're not sort of hiding it. You're not sweeping it under the carpet. You're not waiting for. So right. if they probably might be assuming you're understanding everything, especially if you're nodding your head and giving verbal <laughs> signals. And towards the end of that, when they ask you a question or something, then you're at a loss for words. That would be more dangerous and it would waste everybody's time. So I like what you said there is to go, go in early, take initiative so that the other person can also have a good sense of where your linguistic ability is and change accordingly. Thank you so much, Keith. You've been so generous with your time and sharing all this uh, practical information. One last question before you before we let you go is, um, what, so what are your top tips uh, in terms of, um, you know, if, you, if, if viewers could do three things and do them well and do them consistently to improve communication skills and English language, what three things from your experience uh, would you recommend? Wow, good question. <laughs> um, top three, there are so many, let me try and prioritize. Um, mm -hmm. I think for, okay, for language learning and communication skills, well, with language learning, um, try and study regularly mm -hmm. in short boosts. Okay. over a long period of time. Okay. Right. I think sometimes people think, well, I'll study on Saturday for 10 hours and then do nothing for two weeks. Mm -hmm. That doesn't help. Ha having a, a regular time, ideally the same time mm -hmm. each day, even if it's 10 minutes, repeating, repeating, because that regular interaction is the way languages are learned. Mm -hmm. It enables you to review stuff as well and have that regular contact. Mm -hmm. Um and it's about it goes back to atomic habits james clear yeah. that that, mm -hmm. that habit the cue like it's right. 10 o'clock as your cue ah it's right. time for english you're right. there and you're ready mm -hmm. um so i think that would be the first the kind of the study habit maybe the first thing okay. um when it comes to actually practicing the language gosh well okay what one thing i would say is um is is to focus on use on, on the vo on building vocabulary okay right mm -hmm. um and i i mean i have a method for this for, for which is maybe i can introduce it very quickly sure. um and it's basically there are four steps to this to to, to, to learning how to speak the first mm -hmm. one is to try right the second one is to discover the third is to practice and the fourth is to build and the idea is that to try is when you want to say something or answer a question or talk mm -hmm. about a topic, you mm -hmm. try talking about it. You use the, the language you have to say something. And what that does is it gets your brain ready and mm -hmm. to, to start talking. It also identifies the gaps. You're trying to say things and there's a gap right. and you think, oh, how do I say that? Mm -hmm. And so your, your mind is ready for learning. Then in step two, you discover and you, you listen or read or look at something that is on the same topic or the same language, and you start learning different phrases that may fill the gaps. Mm -hmm. um, and then in step three, you start to practice. You take some of those words and vocabulary um, from context and you start practicing that language, repeating it, maybe right. repeating it and making sentences that are true for you. And then in the fourth step, you, you, you build, you build flexibility and you mm -hmm. go back to the topic or the question and try and answer as much as you can, different contexts, different language, building your flexibility. And I just think that cycle mm -hmm. of trying, discovering and practicing and building can really help over a long term, as we mentioned, kind of build up your, your speaking ability. Yep. Mm -hmm. so I would recommend that approach. Sure. So that's try, um, discover, uh, build. Practice, 
Try, discover, build and practice. Okay. Try, discover, okay. practice and build. Practice and build. Okay. Try, discover, yeah. practice and build. Okay. Great. Yeah. And it starts with try. I like that. So it's not starting with the theoretical uh, discovery of exactly. It. It yeah. Exactly. Okay. It's very practical. Mm -hmm. It's exponential learning, mm -hmm. basically. Mm -hmm. Yes. That's great. Um, so yeah, that's it. And um, what? I, anything else? I don't know how we're doing for time. Communi communication. I was thinking about. Mm -hmm. um, Communication skills. I don't know. I found in, in my, my travels going around the world, um, living in different countries, mm -hmm. it's inevitable that you're, you're going to be comparing your own language and your own customs to, to what's happening in the country. Mm -hmm. When the comparisons come, I try and avoid being negative or I try and catch myself if I am being negative. Agreed. You know, you go to a country and you go, well, why, why is the food so spicy? Why is the weather so bad? Why do they say things like this? And you're being mm -hmm. negative about it. Mm -hmm. And I think to try and catch yourself to say, to be curious rather right. than be negative, um, as the famous Ted Lasso said, be curious about mm -hmm. why people do things. Yeah. And that can help you actually understand, think, oh, the reason they say that is because in their culture they do this. Um, yeah. and, and that curiosity can really help with that communication, cross-communication, cross-culture communication, I think. Oh, well said, man. I, I believe that's the entire purpose of travel is to broaden your thinking, you know, to welcome other points of view. Yes. If you travel and yes. you still come back with the same perspective, you didn't really travel. You just moved geographically from one place <laughs> to another. You didn't absorb all those influences. And, you know, from a language perspective, I remember this is very interesting. Uh, um, a leading speaker, leading international speaker was presenting in Bahrain. And I happened to be part of the audience because I was delivering a keynote the day before and I figured out he's delivering a talk here. So I said to a common friend of mine, can you arrange me a ticket? He was actually the sponsor. He was sponsoring his visits. We said, sure, VIP ticket for you. So I was there. So this gentleman, top of his game, right, in, in um, leadership coaching, and he spends uh, three or four hours sharing some very powerful material on that. And the audience reaction is, okay, they're, they're with him, they're understanding, they're playing along. And then comes a native uh, Arabic speaker on stage to translate something for him. He actually invited him, he said, can you come on stage and translate this uh, in Arabic? And that was the first time in three hours that I heard this audience of 800 laugh, you know, and they, they, <laughs> their faces lit up. It's, it was a different level of understanding. And I, an observer, as an observer, thought, you know, this gap perhaps will always be there. We could cover it in time. If we're learning another language, we could perhaps get to that level where we could also connect so deeply, so effectively to light up their faces and bring a smile on the, and make them laugh. But before that, we have to understand that there, there is going to be some distance to travel and we should be okay with it and we should be okay with it yes. and still give it our best. This has been a very enriching conversation. Keith, thank you so much. Thank you so much, uh, Simati. It's been very, very interesting. Thank you. Thank you. Likewise. Um, and I'm sure, ladies and gentlemen, let me uh, point, uh, point out uh, that for further learning and to keep, stay in touch with Keith, his website is called Keith Speaking Academy. You'll find the links in the description. His YouTube channel, which I highly recommend you go check it out, is called English Speaking Success. Tons of um, very nice videos over there that you will find very useful. Keith, thank you once again. Thank you so much, Simajit. It's been an honor. It's been really interesting. Uh, thank you so much. And um, take care. All the best to all of the your audience and students out there. Um, thank you, sir. Keep on learning. Keep enjoying your learning. Thank you. And you keep uh, publishing those wonderful, very helpful videos. And thank you once again. I will do. Thank Cheers. you. Take care. Cheers. Bye -bye. All the best. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.